BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hey guys, I'm Whitney Port and this is With Wit. A lot of you may know me from reality TV and the reality is a lot's happened since the hills. With Wit is dedicated to having real, raw, and occasionally ridiculous conversations with the people who have had a profound impact on me. Life-changing moments, life-changing people. Because on With Wit, very little is off-limits. So I was a little bit nervous to interview Lauren Bostick for this episode because she has been doing her podcast for like three years. And I just felt like, what am I going to ask her about? Like, I wish I was just on the other end of it. So I was a little bit intimidated, but I had so much to learn from her. And I was listening to her podcast a lot before just to learn more. And so I I ended up having a million questions because her life is really, it's really um, interesting. And the way she leads it is really, really interesting. She's turned her passion for beauty, wellness, and no censor advice into one of the most distinctive blogs online today called The Skinny Confidential. And along with the blog, Lauren released her own book, The Skinny Confidential Lifestyle Guide, and a body guide, which is a monthly subscription service that includes new workouts and meal plans. Like I was talking about before, in partnership with her husband, Michael Bostick, Lauren hosts the hilariously cheeky entrepreneurial podcast, The Skinny Confidential, Him and Her, which just hit 16 million downloads. Can you believe that? She works with top tier brands and connects to her community like no other on a daily basis. She's really someone I look up to and I'm so excited for you guys to hear from her. I am so excited to have you on my podcast. I'm so excited to be here. I've listened to you and Michael ever since I've gotten into podcasts, which was like maybe six months ago when Paige was like, you need to listen if you're starting your own. So I listened to you guys and I just think how you have natural conversations is really good for me to hear. Thank you. It's definitely something that I was horrible at really for like a year and a half yeah it's such just practice it's like anything like you just keep practicing week after week and then eventually you start to get the hang of it yeah and how long ago did you start it so I started blogging 10 years ago oh my god which is wild were you like the first blogger ever no I wasn't I feel like that's like <laughs> Rumi Neely of Fashion Toast and Emily yeah. Schumann Cupcakes and Cashmere yeah. Yeah. yeah they were the first OGs I started blogging 10 years ago it was not cool at all it was in fact people didn't understand how you could monetize. And I blogged for about seven years, seven days a week. It was like a big 
thing. And you wrote full on articles every single day and had different topics and did different photo shoots and the whole thing. Yes, but it wasn't about just me. Okay. And I think that that's what was what was different. It wasn't what I ate, what I wore, um, you know, what I'm doing. It was a lot of, you know, what's that supermodel wearing? What's mm-hmm. in this actress's, you know, vanity? What is the everyday girl in Minnesota doing? And like collecting all these women's tips and tricks and putting it in one spot. So it was more of a resource. Yes. I think where people get pigeonholed is it's like, how many times can we see you in the street right. wearing the same outfit? Right. Like talking about nothing like so I from the get-go like it was always had to have tangible takeaways for the audience to actually apply to their own life that was really important to me I think that's what's so inspiring because sometimes for me I can get in this groove where I'm just like posting a picture of me and Timmy and being like out and about at this place and then that becomes so like invaluable and I'm constantly trying to think of how I can actually be teaching people something and I think that you do such a good job at that and you're not lazy like you write such long comments and are so thoughtful about things and are always trying to teach people and I think that that's really inspiring I'm realizing less is more with it with Instagram on the really yeah it's less is more it's it's not it's not posting every single day to just show up on Instagram it's posting things I look at each Instagram photo as a different strategy. So like I actually take the singular photo and think, okay, how am I going to educate, entertain, inspire, and engage on this photo? And I think when you start to look at the photos separately as a, as opposed to the whole grid, mm-hmm. if that makes sense, like mm-hmm. how much content can I push out? It, your mindset changes. So I look at the photo like just as like almost like a micro blog. I think that I think for you, it, it may be different because you have been on TV shows and people are really intrigued with the behind the scenes of your life. Mm-hmm. So it could be, you know, maybe they really want to see a picture of you and Timmy. Perhaps. But yeah, th- I think that is a good way to put it just because it is nice to actually be teaching something through social media and not just taking advantage of social media, but using it to what it like for what it should be used for. And it's interesting because when I met with Eva Chen, who's like the, you know, woman at Instagram, she told me post as much as possible, like any little picture that you take, like just post it, just put it out there. Like use Instagram like a muscle, you know, the more you use it, the more followers you get, blah, blah. And sometimes I'm like, is that really true? Are you just trying to get me to like use your app more? And so I think what's really cool about you is that you do like use it for its value, not for just like pushing shit out. And I mean, I'm sure you have to know your audience. Like Eva might have an audience that expects her to show up every single day because she works with Instagram closely. Mm -hmm. I just know that my audience expects a certain kind of content. And when I don't deliver on it, I just don't, I don't feel good about it because what Instagram is doing is essentially wasting people's time. Right. Right. And so I don't want to waste people's time ever. That's like my main thing, um, which is why we started a podcast because podcasting is the only medium that doesn't waste people's time because you can be cleaning or cooking or doing laundry and learning or laughing or whatever it is. And so it feels really good to me as a creator with Instagram. You have to read, you have to scroll, you have to watch the stories with a blog you have to read. So you're taking people's time. So I'm just really cognitive of not wanting my, my readers 
energy to be put towards something that doesn't have a lot of value. Right. But I, I don't know if that strategy works for everyone. That's just like what I think works for my community. Yeah. And how did you know you wanted to start a pod? I mean, you were so ahead of your time for so many things like blogging 10 years ago, starting a podcast. How many years ago? Was it two or three years ago? A podcast three years ago. Yeah. I mean, how did you know, have the insight to know that this was something that would be so valuable. Two things. I, I go where attention goes. So I'm not, I don't let any platform like dictate what I'm doing. I watch where attention goes. I'm constantly in communication with the people that are reading my blog. And so I saw that where attention was going is where time's going. It's, it goes back to the time thing. Mm-hmm. In five years, everyone's going to be in their kitchen saying, Alexa, play this podcast. Alexa, order me paper towels. Alexa, like it's everything's going to voice. Mm-hmm. So when you know that as a creator, like you have to, I don't look where I'm going. I look where it's going to be and where it was going to be three years ago was everything's going to voice. People want to save time. Uber, Postmates, these are all selling time. Right. The Glam app. You're not, I'm not paying to just get my makeup done. I'm paying to sit there and to be able to return emails on my phone at the same time. Mm -hmm. So that's, the podcast was, was kind of about attention and time. I also think if you have a podcast, like you have to have a unique perspective. It's so important. You don't just want to get on a mic to get on a mic. You know what I mean? Totally. Yeah. I mean, that's what I was sort of struggling with when I started mine. I was like, what is my unique perspective going to be? And I think a lot of people probably thought I was going to come on and start talking about just like mommy stuff and how difficult it was to be a new mom and the tra- the transformation. And so I think as I do it, I'm finding out more what my voice is and what my perspective is. But I can't say that I definitely came into it with like a clear cut point of view. But that's okay. You want you launch fast and you adjust to consumer behavior. So as you go on and you have a bunch of different people and you'll start to find what's really resonating with the audience and you just listen to them. I read the reviews, but I also don't read the reviews. Like I'll listen to what people are saying and I'll take constructive criticism. But if it's something that's not constructive, like I just like get it away. Yeah. That's, that's, I think good in general just to do. Yeah. I mean, we were talking about before you not caring about what anybody else thinks. So does that apply to like followers and listeners with followers I've never I've and I've started to notice like as I've become a blogger girls will say well how do I make money that's Mm -hmm, the first question mm -hmm. and I didn't make one dime for three years and I blogged every single day for seven years and was a broke bartender and top peer bar in Pilates and like literally was living somewhere for free. So when people come to me and ask that question, like they're asking the wrong question. Right. And, you know, with podcasting, it's the same thing. You have to go into it with the right intention. Mm-hmm. It's like the intention is is to provide that value. Ask me the question that you just asked me. You said, why don't I care what anyone thinks? Yes. Right? No, but I think that's valuable for anybody. I mean, we'll get to the other question, but I think that people, a lot of people these days think that for any profession that they can just get into something and immediately like work their way up. And that's not how it actually really works. You know, not how it works. Yeah. You have to put in the time. You have to put in the effort. Even for me, like I did get on TV when I was in college and that, you know, that kind of like skyrocketed my career and it gave me more exposure than like the regular 22 year old and 
entering the career world. But I, I, once the show was over, like I had to completely work for it, you know, like that was probably actually, I would, I wish I asked you about this on our podcast when the show's over and like the curtain closes and there's no one that can relate to you on the experience that mm -hmm. you just went through. Like, what was that like? It was terrifying. I was so incredibly scared. I mean, I tried to set up a career for myself while I was on the show, knowing that the show was eventually going to end and that I needed something to fall back on. So I launched my clothing line while we were filming The City. But then I had the clothing line and and there wasn't social media and it wasn't as easy to like shop online and swipe up to shop. There wasn't as much online stuff happening. And so my line didn't take off like I think a lot of people's lines these days do. I worked, I start launched it in 2008 when the recession hit and I tried it till 2013 and I couldn't make it work. And that was the point where I was like, now what am I really going to do with my life? Like I haven't been on TV for five years. My clothing line has sort of failed. I started to take advantage of my voice on social media and started to just get out there who I was as a person and luckily social media kind of like saved me like it gave me a new platform to communicate with people but that's so smart now because you're launching a podcast and you have you 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 know you have the show now so when the show does end you'll have this powerhouse podcast that people are already obsessed with I hope so ready to go where you control the narrative yes you're right though there wasn't anything back then I mean I don't even know how you would market your product without tons and tons of money after a show with no social media. I can't even imagine that. It was impossible. Everything feels so old fashioned. Like we had showrooms selling our collection to boutiques all over the country and we had to do trade shows. We had to travel to see people. We had, you know, it was like, it was so, so, so different. And that's after you were on MTV. Like that goes back to like the bloggers asking that question or people asking that question about monetizing it does not happen overnight no none of it happens overnight and even if you have the exposure and have some fame like it doesn't immediately just happen for you like you have to really like grow your connection with people and that only happens through time and through people getting to know you yes okay I want to go back a little bit because you and Michael met at 12 I met my husband at 12 we dated I don't know whatever you want to call it from yeah. 12 to 15 you went out and we went out we, we we did a couple call? things um, <laughs> and we broke up and it's like the same old story it's not unique I went for older guy like, yeah you know and so we just when kind you of, were 15 you went for the older I went guy for the, I went for the older senior yeah or the, I, I don't know what grade it was but yeah. the older guy and he you know did what he did and we always like would still hang out like you know drunken hookups here and there yeah and then he went to college I went to college and he he always sort of pursued me but he was in my grade and you know how that is when you're that age being someone in your grade is not that enticing no it's just like I don't know it's not the girls are like going for the older guys so at 21 we got back together and we've been together ever since so what reconnected you guys he was very persistent he's he was very persistent I think Sometimes when like boys are young and they have their first love, it's like a thing. They can't get over it. Yeah, it's weird. And then if the first love like leaves them, it's like... He he always was like sort of like a moth to a light with me. Yeah, it made it like his life's mission to get you, and he get got it you. Away. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So um, we dated. We dated for so long. We dated for six years, and then we were engaged for four. 
Oh my gosh. Like I was engaged for a really long time too. It's the best. Yeah. I, there's really honestly no rush. I mean, granted we got engaged like six months after my dad passed away. And so for me, I could not even really envision what my wedding looked like without my dad there. So it took me some time to make some decisions, but yeah, like why rush? Why rush to get married? And it's especially the best time. like when you're grieving, I think to, like you just said to rush in and get married. It's like, it's, it's almost like you have to compartmentalize both the different things yeah like it's too you have to like go through the grief process like you and and, and it's the grief process never ends but right I the rough part you have to go through in order to enjoy the better times yeah 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 and then like getting married brings up a whole different set of emotions so it's just it was probably a lot of emotion and you you lost your mom when you were how old I was 18 oh my god my sister was um my sister was 13 And my mom committed suicide. Oh, my God. And it was out of nowhere. And it was devastating. Oh, my God. And it was not only was that just devastating because suicide is such an interesting kind of death. It's like a very um, it's I'm not saying any death. It's just a different kind of death Mm -hmm. because there's so many questions. Like if someone dies of cancer, you know, like there's a reason and you know what they died from. And there was nothing that you could control or that they could control. Like this just happened. Yes. And so it's a different it's a I almost feel like it's a different kind of grief afterwards. Mm -hmm. And listen, I'm not saying one's harder because I can't even imagine watching someone pass away in front of your face like that's sounds like a whole different set of things. Mm -hmm. But suicide is just really confusing because you have questions. You start to look back on every single thing, like Mm -hmm. the lunch that you had with them or like you know, a card they wrote you or like a cry for help that you maybe didn't see. And it's something that fucks with you all the time. Like I still will like wake up and remember something. And I'm like, wait, that was weird. Like, why didn't I think that was weird? And then you start blaming yourself. And at 18 years old, I was like the most selfish I've ever been in my entire Mm -hmm. life, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, and my sister ended up getting so addicted to heroin. Oh my God. Like so addicted, like to the point where she almost died for like six years and ended up in rehab. She's been sober now for seven years. That's Thank amazing. God. Yeah. Um, and it's just, it's something that I deal with every day. And what I was going to say earlier is something that, that also is interesting. And I'm sure maybe you experienced this. Maybe it's just me. I was in high school. You get a little bit disappointed in humanity. Mm. I can't explain it. When my mom passed away, everyone was there like right away. But then after two weeks, it's like everyone just goes back to their life. And I don't know if it's because I was 18 years old. I just I think I expected more. And I've really now tried to get rid of expectations in general because it's just like a losing formula. Yeah. That was an, an interesting facet of the death was was and I hate to say that because it sounds like I'm like poor me. It sounds like I I, under, I get it. Like it sounds like Debbie Downer. Yeah. But I feel the same. Like sometimes this does sound so depressing, but sometimes I'm just like, I don't really care if I die tomorrow. Like I death doesn't scare me like people, nothing is ever going to be as enjoyable as it could be because this person isn't here to experience it. You know, like I'm very more like blase, not, you know, like you, you, you build this wall kind of, and then you have to, you start losing expectations because 
if if you had them, you'd be disappointed all the time. Exactly. That's a, the wall is like such a good example. You mm-hmm. what you you almost start to harden. It mm-hmm. makes you a little bit cold. Mm-hmm. I was a warm, not warmer. That's not the right word. I was just. Um, more trusting, I think, before this happened. And now I'm a little bit like um, like a wall. Mm-hmm. I can't explain it. Like, I'm not... I think I would be a different person had that not happened. Now, I don't want to just talk about the bad things because the good thing is, is I'm extremely resilient. Not a lot of things rock me. Mm-hmm. My husband gets rocked about things that I'm just like, why do you care? Yeah. Like, who cares? But he needs you to balance it out. It's, he gets upset about things. I'm like next see like like I'm like him in the relationship and Timmy is like you you need someone to call you out and be like like I need Timmy to be like Whitney please put this in perspective like you need to tone it down and if you think about what has happened to you it's probably a little bit easier to put things in perspective yeah I mean, I, I try to do that once he calls me out, but I do need constant reminders, but I do think, and, and not to keep it so depressing, but I do think that part of my struggles with motherhood stemmed from my grief because I do think it hardened me. And I think somehow, some way subconsciously, like I wasn't really able to connect with Sunny in a way that I thought I would before my dad passed away. Like I do think I was a warmer, more nurturing caring person and then once I had Sunny I was kind of just like ugh, like this isn't what I thought it was going to be and so that just came out in so many different ways that makes total sense yeah I think that I am always like I'm not maternal I'm not maternal I'm not maternal and if I really were to go to a therapist and examine that like, what is that? Why right. Why am I have such an aversion to being a mom? Is it because, like, when I'm a mom, that's going to bring up all these different feelings? I don't know. Like, when I'm a mom, when I'm a mom, is it going to be like, how could my mom have done that? Right. You know what I mean? Right. I don't know. Now, these are just things I'm starting to realize as I get older. I could be wrong and have a baby and it's, like, amazing. Yeah. But it is, it is, it does fuck you up to lose a parent at a young age. It does. It does. It really does. And it's different. And I hate to say this, but it is. It's different losing a parent at a younger age than losing a parent at 50. Because it feels like you've had more obviously life experience when you're 50. Totally. Like sometimes when my friend's grandparents will pass away, I'm like... They were 95, you know, and I feel like such a bitch for being like, can you stop crying about it? But I mean, that's awful. Like a grandparent is a very important person in someone's life. But yes, it's very, very, very different. Like you, you've lost out on so many valuable years with them. Do is your dad still around? My dad's still around. My dad's Mm -hmm. amazing. But you know, that's a whole different element. That's another different element of suicide is the people that are left behind, like changes their life. My dad, you know, they they weren't together but they were they met when they were 12 they were married for a very long time like there's a whole element that he probably feels of guilt mm-hmm. you know what I mean mm-hmm. it's just a very weird way to go because again there's like so many questions and um and you're left picking up the pieces and no one really wants to talk about it because it's taboo and the word suicide is like not everyone's favorite word in right, the whole world. Right. And, you know, there's different ways, obviously, to commit suicide, which is like a whole I feel like I could write a book about it's it's just a very sad and depressing way to go. I mean, I guess there's no right way to go. But no, but this is when someone actually causes it for themselves. That is very different. Yeah. And then sometimes I actually this is crazy. I empathize with my mom. Mm-hmm. I empathize and I 
I think, you know, she must have been in such a dark place. Mm -hmm. Like I have, it's weird. I have empathy for it. Right. And when I'm like really low, I'm like, oh my God, is this how she felt every single day? Like, Mm -hmm. so it's a lot of different layers. It's like a A lot of different layers. I know. Cause sometimes when the doctor will be, when I'll talk to a therapist or doctor and cause I've been getting these bad headaches. And so they're talking about like stress and anxieties in my life and maybe why I get these headaches and they're like do you ever you know think about dying or killing yourself and it's like no I never think about killing myself but I do think about dying all the time like it creates these narrative like this these thoughts in your head that you most people that haven't lost a parent probably don't have. That can be really scary to think about. A page was saying she says like she became like kind of a hypochondriac. Yes. Because it's like, I mean, that makes total sense. Yeah. It just, it creates all these different things. And I think you just have to work harder on yourself as a human. I'm a huge fan of like bio, like hacking and like studying and all like never thinking that I know enough. I always want to know more and be really inquisitive about Mm -hmm. whatever I'm doing. So I think that you just have to work harder than the person who hasn't lost a parent on your life because Mm -hmm. it's like, it's almost like if you're both at equal temperatures, like when your temperature goes way down when you lose someone, you have to work to get it back up. You're so right. Yeah. That's so true. So what are some of those ways that you've done that? Like I listened to your podcast on your routine every day and you're probably like, oh my God. Oh my God. So, so <laughs> at first I was like, <laughs> not, I, no, at first I was like, do, is this how most people live? Like, am I leading the most unstructured, like disorganized, dysfunctional life that I don't have a routine like this? And then I was asked Paige about it. I'm like, Paige, is this for real? Like, does she really do this every day? So first of all, <laughs> I want you to explain what your routine is and how you got to be like that and why you need it and should I be doing that okay first so of all many layers. no no everyone is different and I th- I'm a huge pro- like fan of doing what works for you I'm th- I just want to say that like everyone has to do what works for them I'm gonna do me like you do you everyone has to do what works for them but I ha- had a really chaotic childhood like and then like with what happened with my mom it was like mm-hmm. chaos mm-hmm. chaos chaos all the time and I learned to like thrive in chaos and also maintain like a peacefulness within the chaos if that makes sense Mm -hmm. so my mornings are non-negotiable to me like it's so important to me that and I don't know if this is going to change when I have kids because you might be like oh my god this bitch is crazy it may have to but it will just shift a little bit like you'll have someone come help you so that you can have those mornings like your priorities they can stay the same but you just may have to do some adjustments a lot of adjustments. Yeah. Made. But that's why I married my my husband, Michael, is like a straight line. Mm-hmm. Like, the, like, and I think I married that because everything was like up and down, up mm-hmm. and down. Mm-hmm. So I think that hopefully he'll understand when we have a kid that he needs to continue to be a straight line and I need to have my mornings. Yes. But my morning, like... I I think that my life also is very chaotic as an influencer. Like you said earlier on our podcast, there's, you don't know what's happening for the day. Like every day is different. Like, is, is it content? Is it, you know, writing behind the computer? Is it 8 million emails? Is it meetings? Like it's always different. It's Mm -hmm. not like a nine to five job. And sometimes there's night, like it's just on, it's a lot of different layers. That's why it's so hard to find any sense of 
like normalcy normalcy yeah. or balance like when yeah. people ask me that question like how do you find balance I'm like uh, there is none and no, you there's just no have balance. to be okay with there not being balance but sorry I cut you off no no routine. but like the, my, my morning has to be the, it doesn't have to be like if it's not the same in the morning it's it's not gonna like throw me into a tailspin but do I prefer to have my morning time yes I like to wake up and I have the, the I, let me just go back one second Tim Ferriss wears the same clothes every single day because it takes the decision making process out of everything so like Mondays Wednesdays Fridays he wears the same clothes and Tuesdays and Thursdays he wears the same clothes and it just and he also eats the same food and a lot of successful people do that because when you're making a lot of decisions all day long and your life is chaotic like having those things that are routine it it reserves your energy for the other decisions that you have to make that's such a good point you know so with my mornings to know exactly what I'm doing is very therapeutic Mm -hmm. so I like to do you want me to get like really specific yes please I mean I I think it's so interesting you said you had trouble sleeping so I think like the morning starts with the night and I used to go to sleep at two in the morning because I was a bartender oh my gosh and now I go to bed at 10 o'clock like I'm asleep and the way that I do that is a hundred percent. I have the CBD pen. Yeah. That I smoke one hit. Like, and it's like, and you're out. It is amazing. Oh my gosh. Cause I can't, I used to smoke weed in, in college and whatever. And then I moved to New York and I started, I smoked there and I had like a freak out panic attack, like heart racing, like crazy thought I was going to die. And so since then I have never, re- I've never been able to smoke weed. And like, I took a hit of a pen recently with Timmy and we were watching TV and I have never freaked out more. I was like, am I breathing too loud? He needs to fall asleep now. I can't be awake next to What kind to of him. pen was it, though? There's, like, different it was, strains. It was a dosist, like, sleep one, I think, or calm or something. I think you should try this one we have. I take one puff of it. It's a CBD pen. It's not, like, I think there's, like, a hint of THC. Okay. It's not, like, a weed pen. It doesn't get your brain all Nothing. working. All yeah. it does is it says it's time to shut down. Okay. And it's the best sleep and um, I also do the drops. Like, I love CBD. Mm-hmm. I know that's so cliche to say, but it really has changed my life. It's, I mean, that's why people are actually using it because it's, it's it working. Yeah. And then I also am like so sensitive to cortisol. So cortisol is your stress hormone. And when it spikes, like when you're about to get in a car accident and it spikes, mm-hmm. it's not good for you. And because my life is chaotic outside of my morning routine and my cortisol is constantly up, I like to do things to lower it. So an alarm clock, when that goes off, is pure cortisol. Oh, I hate it's alarms. the worst. I hate them. It's the worst thing yeah. you can do. Yeah. So like there's this app called the bedtime app that you can like set. I'll show it to you right now. You can like set how long you sleep for. Okay. Unless you already know what this is. Maybe. No, I don't. Okay. So you press bedtime instead of alarm. Okay. And then, so like last night I went to bed at 1045 and woke up at 715 and it shows I had eight hours and 30 minutes of sleep. That is unbelievable. It's really orgasmic and satisfying oh to see that. God. Like, it, And when I wake up, it's like, I feel good. So that's like the first thing you but have to get you, a good night's sleep. But, but, you na- woke up naturally at 730 or I actually woke up naturally at seven. Okay. So I actually got eight hours and 15 minutes. Yeah. 
So, I mean, I don't, I'm not like a super early 5 a.m. riser. Yeah. I'm not either, but lately that's just what's been happening for me and it's so annoying. And once I'm up, I can't go back to sleep. Try the CBD pen that I have. It's like, I'm telling you, it's changed my life. And if you wake up at five, like I would say if I woke up at five, I would lay in bed and read. Yeah. Until seven. Because you have that peace to yourself if your son's not up. I know. To like lower or I should your cortisol. go work out or something. Yeah, I mean, I would do something for you. Yeah. Instead of just lay there and have anxiety and I just start lay checking there emails. And think. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I do not look at my phone when I wake up. I think that is a losing formula. How long do you wait to look at your phone? Honestly, like as long as I can. Like I, an hour? I think that when you wake up, this is my theory, when you yeah. wake up and you check your phone, you're answering everyone else's to-do list. Uh-huh. And when I wake up, I don't want to answer everyone else's to-do list. Like that's not, that's not why I've worked so hard to be an entrepreneur. So when I wake up, I don't look at my text messages. That's like trigger. Like forget it. Yeah. I don't look at my DMs. I don't look at anything. I turn on a podcast. Amazing. And then I put the phone down. And so at least like I'm being stimulated. I really like like very intense podcasts. Like I'm obsessed with this guy, Ed Millett, right now. Okay. Um, and he's just very motivational. And he's very much like you create your own life. You're in charge of it. Like I like that kind of. Like, um, yeah, motivational. Like I love Brene Brown, who's so obvious. I got to listen to her. Everyone says that. Oh, my God. You, oh, if you like this kind of self-help, like self-betterment thing, you'll love Brene Brown. She's okay. Amazing. Everyone keeps telling yeah her Mm -hmm. I need to listen she has a Netflix special too okay I'm gonna listen to I'm gonna watch the Netflix special and then start listening to her because everyone keeps telling me Mm -hmm. she's like the female Tony Robbins a hundred percent okay I gotta listen to her I really just think a podcast to be able to wake up and get your brain stimulated in the morning is like the way to go Michael wakes up and puts his blue light phone in his face right in his face and starts looking at memes and I'm like yeah get away from me me. he starts scrolling scrolling through Instagram and then the sound is on and you're like what the no, it's like the worst cortisol. So Aubrey Marcus, this guy came on our podcast and he told us about this thing called light movement hydration. It's like the first thing you should do in the morning. So okay. like I immediately open the shades because that like tells your brain, okay, it's time to wake up. But is your, is your room dark? Yes. You have blackout? It's pretty much blackout. Ooh, okay. Yeah, so it's like we got to open the shade. I would yeah. sleep with the shades open, but this motherfucker doesn't like it. Okay. I would sleep with the shades open. I used to only be able to sleep in blackout, and Timmy likes to wake up to the natural light. But this weekend we were on like a little vacation, and it was pitch black, and I slept till 10 o'clock in Good. the morning. Your body probably needed it. Yeah. Nothing wrong with that. I'm Sleep is the best. Yeah, man. it really is. There's nothing better. <laughs> like, if you, sh- if you feel like you should sleep till 10, like, do it. <laughs> my old life but yes um so light and then I um like hydrate like it's like boring like lemon like water ginger mint, something water and I drink a lot of water in the morning because I feel like it gets things moving yes Cameron Diaz said in her book she said that think of your body as like a flower that's dying when you wake up you need to water it oh that's such a good visual it's true too I don't put anything in my body right when I wake up I put immediately just a a cappuccino with like full fat milk I don't drink any water I'm the worst why um I'm never thirsty okay and I just don't crave water and then when I'm like complaining about headaches people are like this is the most obvious thing Whitney you know what you need to get a hydro flask but get the one that has the straw Okay. On the cap. Okay. You will drink 
so much more water because you can lay in bed. You know how this is so lazy. You know how when you're in bed and you're laying back and you don't want to lift the water bottle to your mouth and like because it's <laughs> like too heavy totally. and like hurts your wrist. Yeah. A hydroflask, you can just lay there with the straw hanging out of your mouth and it's just sitting there and just you can sip like like, like yeah. a baby. Right. Like, like a comatose, comatose victim in the hospital. Yeah. Like you yeah. Can just sit there and like, let it hang out of your mouth. I yeah. drink so much more water and it keeps it freezing cold. So when you wake up, you have like a freezing cold mint water. Yeah. That sounds amazing. It's, it's that hydro flask really is like the investment. Of so you, I, I had a hydro flask with a, like a squirt top and I left it at a photo shoot and I was doing so well with it. And then I haven't used it since then. The Hills needs to reimburse you for that. Since it was at a photo shoot. <laughs> it wasn't Okay. But whoever it was needs to. Yeah, please. Yeah. The water and then um I move. I'll walk to get coffee. I'll just move my body. Like mm-hmm. what however that is. Like I like to work out from home. I hate working out outside my oh home. Oh my god, good for you. I would not have any motivation to do that. I can't I have to go to a class. Yeah, but when you go to a class, it, it ends up taking two hours instead of one. Because you run in from to like Susie from high school and that's a ten minute conversation right. and then you know, like the parking and the, it's, it's a whole thing. Yeah. That's why it's just like, I'd rather just do it at, at home and yeah. just be done with it. So I don't know, but I, that's what everyone tells me. Like it's hard to motivate, but you obviously are able to do it for yourself. But so if you just set it you. in your routine and like have it in your routine, like this is what I'm doing. It's almost becomes like second nature, mm-hmm. you know? But I think maybe also cause you were a Pilates instructor, like you are able to teach yourself and do things that maybe some people wouldn't necessarily be able to do yes. on their own. And you I know? get the class thing. Like it's yeah. also, it's, it's also nice to be social. It's probably nice for you probably to get out of the house too, when you have yeah. kids, like I can imagine. Yes. So maybe that'll change. I just think moving your body in the morning is just like, you feel better. And you do that every morning. I try to do, I mean, I try to do it seven days a week, but Amazing. I'm not waking up at 7 a.m. on a Sunday. It's more like nine. Right. You know, and you guys will both try to work out every day. Michael works out every day, but Michael has, I want Michael away from me in the morning. Like, really? Nowhere near me. You don't wake up and like give each other a kiss and say, good morning. How did you sleep? We do that. <laughs> yeah. But then it's like, okay, like don't want to talk. Right. He wants to, he used he to, wants to wake, chat. he used to wake me up and talk about finances and like oh, the God. podcast. And one morning I looked at him and I said, don't talk to me about work until 10 o'clock. Yeah. I don't blame you. I was going to ask about that. Like working with your husband, can it get really hard to shut things off? I mean, you know, I feel like you kind of work with your yes. husband. Like yeah. it's, it's a definitely challenging. Yes. It's not easy, but there's so many pros and it's rewarding. You get to travel together, but you know, there's a lot of times where we'll be laying in bed at 11 o'clock at night and he'll start talking. And I'm like, no. Like you have to say no, because for years I didn't say no. And it just gets crazier and crazier and crazier until it's like, no, you can like, we cannot talk about it. It's 11, 11 o'clock at night. Like this is spiking my cortisol. A hundred (laughs) percent. And then you get resentful of, of them. Totally. Yeah. Timmy, like I do my YouTube with him. And I think the reason why it's successful is because he's on the other side of the camera and I can really be honest and vulnerable with him. And so I need him and he does all the editing and it's so wonderful. But then sometimes he'll tell me to like post more, promote more. And I'm just like, I know you're right. 
I know that I should be doing all this, but like, I sometimes don't want to hear that from my significant other, you know? I I tell Michael, I'm like, I didn't sign up to work for you. He'll say that to me, promote the podcast. I'm like, no, like, we're not going to talk about this at six in the morning. (laughs) Find someone else to talk to. I told him to get busy, like, go get busy, just away. It like, I need that time in the morning. And so now you figured that out. I figured that out. I got to meditate. Like I just do headspace. It's nothing cool for 10 minutes. Amazing. Um, and then I make my coffee and just like light my candles and have oil and it's not, or not have oil, but like put oils, put on. oils on. Yeah. And after that, I just feel like, okay, I can do this. Right. You know, like you fully have successfully set yourself up to take on whatever comes at you. Yes. That's exactly how I feel. I think that's really amazing because my mom is always like, Whitney, you're running around like a chicken with your head cut off. Like you're here, you're there, you're on your phone. You can't answer emails in the car while you're driving. You're, you know, you're all, I'm all over the place. And I guess that I know that's not going to change. And so having a routine like yours is beneficial and it just gets worse like it's not gonna get better if you're busy now Mm -hmm. it's just going to get gnarlier so you have to set boundaries you I'm a huge fan of time batching so like if I decide I'm gonna go in my dm box I'll take an hour or a half an hour just doing that if I am doing you know photo shoots I'll do that one day a month instead of you know, a little shoot here, five shoots here, like in this, like, I'll just do all that content in one day. Like if I'm writing, like I like to write for five hours. Like I don't, I don't want to be all over the place all the time. And I was for a really long time. I was really reactive instead of proactive. Mm -hmm. And, um, it wears it. It's like just a chaotic way to live. Like, I just don't want to live like that anymore. I've lived like that for so long. I just want like a little bit more stability and a little bit more control. But doesn't that make you have to plan so much more in advance? With the mornings, I just, I tell, you know, my assistant, Emily knows, don't, but like, don't schedule calls before 10. I do all my calls on Wednesday. It goes back to time batching. Like, I think I used to do conference calls all week. I cannot believe I used to do that. I do that now. It drives me crazy. It's so disruptive to your day. It's like, it's, it's like sitting down with your significant other and eating and being, um, as you're eating, someone coming up to you, like, every 10 minutes. Right. It's so, um, unsettling. So I said, okay, I am not taking a conference call. I don't care if it's the president of the United States unless it's on Wednesday. And so now the rest of the week creates all this space. And on Wednesday I wake up and I'm like, okay, I'm taking my conference calls today. And, and you I can be in one place the whole time. You don't have to worry about if I'm going to be driving around, do I have service somewhere? Yeah. It's just like one spot, one day. Like, and, and honestly, my thing is too, is like, I, there was this guy that Michael's dad used to know that was very wealthy and very successful. And there, there used to be faxes, obviously back in the day where people would fax things right? and and he would get all these faxes of people needing things, ASAP, ASAP. I need it done now. Their to-do list. And he started to just make a pile on his desk of all their ASAPs. And at the end of the week, he would go through them and half of them solved their self, solved itself. Like you can't like be reactive to what everyone else needs of you mm-hmm. all day long, mm-hmm. or it starts to drain your own, your own thermometer. And that's, totally. that's just gonna, that's a, like a, a recipe for burnout. Mm-hmm. You know, you're right. Paige is reading that book burnout. Really? Yeah. It's on her desk. Okay. <laughs> I saw that. I was wondering what that was. Did you recommend that to her? No, she inspired me to go look at it. Oh my God. Okay. Um, that is really actually helpful advice. I think most people can probably control a lot more than they think they can. 
again and they're just not making the conscious decision to do so and it's about boundaries mm-hmm. it's like I understand that that you know my manager wants to do a call on right. Tuesday at 9 a.m but that doesn't work for me so how can we come to a compromise yeah and how do you get away with that without feeling like you're being a bitch you you just say like this is what works for me and then you just st- don't care right yeah, I, I don't yeah. care. I don't care because I my thing is, is I would respect anyone that said that to me. Mm-hmm. So I would hope people that have the same respect for me to be like, OK, this is what, you know, she's doing this day. Mm-hmm. And obviously, if it's like a, a friend or the, someone that needs something or a family member, that's different. I'm just right. talking about like when it comes to work. Right. You know, none of this stuff is like life altering life or death. Like it, you can have the same call on Wednesday that you could have had on Tuesday or Monday. And by the way, in business, if someone's telling me to rush things, I'll take 20 times longer because, really? yeah, because I'm not going to be rushed to sign a contract. I'm not going to be rushed to do anything. Nothing is ASAP. Like I need time to think about it. You know, I just, I, I read, I read this book. It's, it's this guy by Keith Cunningham is his name. And he talks about thinking time. I need time to think, to process, to plan. Like I just don't want to be reactive to everything. I don't think it's strategic in the long run. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Uh-huh. Thinking time. I need to be more like you. No, you're do- <laughs> you're doing great. Like you're doing amazing. But it's it's just not that I should be comparing myself, but I think that there's so many things that you do that a lot of people like I was saying before could benefit from because I think a lot of us feel like burnt out and there are tips like little things you know people don't need to do like a whole you know two-hour routine in the morning but there's little little nuggets in there that people can do whether it's the drinking the water every morning or like not looking at your phone right when you wake up like I think those are little things that make a big difference I would just start paying attention like the first thing I would do is just start paying attention to what's sparking your your cortisol Mm -hmm. and you that is intuition Mm -hmm. you know when Mm -hmm. your cortisol spiked if there is something day after day that's sparking your cortisol an alarm clock. I didn't realize for 21 years that an alarm clock was jarring. It's what a fucking horrible way to wake up. Horrible. So no matter what song you play, it's it's the worst. It's not how I want to start my day. So like that's something like you just have to look at your life and examine it. I am not perfect. I have horrible days. I have days when I'm burnt out. I just am obsessed with studying different ways to just be a higher performer. And I think in our industry, like it is important that we're at our peak performance. You mm-hmm. can't go on the Today Show like you're going on next week completely depleted. Mm-hmm. It's not serving anyone. So it's like, how can you set yourself up to be the best when you're there? And it's a, it's not just showing up. I mean, no. it's, it's, like I think about it a week in advance. Like I'm thinking about, am I going to get my workouts in before? Like, am I going to get my facial? Like I know maybe superficial things to some people, but there are things that make me feel whole so that I can think straight when I'm actually on TV. Self-care is not a selfish thing. I'm so over people thinking self-care is selfish Mm -hmm. and facials are selfish. Facials, I go and get all the time and I get an hour of emails in uninterrupted. And it's the best hour that I have. You do emails while you're getting a facial? It's amazing. I get my self-care in. I Uh can sit and pay attention. Yep. And like, I'll do other things for self-care that I'm not doing anything. Right. But for like, I don't think it's selfish to want to do things like facials or work out or I think it's, it's self-preservation. I agree. Like, I think it's important to do those things in order to feel confident, to present the best version of yourself to the world. Because I mean, if you care about it, like why try to hide it? Like just 
do what makes you feel good. Do, just that's how easy it is though. Like yeah. just do what works for you. Yeah. So speaking of facials, let's talk about your skin because you have really amazing skin. I have a couple pimples right now from this LA weather. Oh my God. So do I. My nose. I picked one last night. I can't stop picking I don't my see face. pimples on your skin. What do you use? And you have a strict routine? No. No. Oh my God. No, no, no. I'm That's not surprising. Strict. Yeah, no, I'm not strict about the routine because, you know, as, as a blogger, you're always trying stuff. Right. Of course, there's brands that I always go back to. I really like Elemis. Mm-hmm. Um, I love Dr. Dennis Gross. I love okay. Barbara Sturm. And then I, I love like, I just love going to the store and getting cold pressed raw olive oil and pouring it all over my face and oh neck. Oh my God. It doesn't like, make you break out? No. It's amazing. It's the best makeup remover. Like, I'll order olive oil from room service and take my makeup off. Any kind of olive oil? Just like a kitchen? I mean, yeah, I would prefer cold press, but if I'm in a pinch, like just what room service has. And then the other day, someone told me, they're like, Do you know Beyonce just announced that she douses her face in olive oil? And I was like, Oh my God. Like I have something in common with Beyonce. Yes. Olive oil is like an amazing tool to use all over your skin and neck and just like let it sink in. That's so good to know. Can you sleep with it on? Everywhere. All the time. I sleep with oil. Like I look like I look like I was just doused in lube when I go to bed. Oh my God. You look like a shiny disco ball. Yeah. Shiny something. Yeah. So everyone should pick up any kind of oil. Okay. Not coconut, though, because it clogs your pores. Yeah. And how are your eyelashes so long? These are fake drugstore lashes. Oh, you put those on yourself? No, 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 no. Oh. I get the Glam app oh, like amazing. three times a week when I podcast because I get, again, an hour of emails done. I didn't put this on myself. Oh, your makeup looks amazing. Well, they But it doesn't look like anybody did it. Like, it looks so natural. Good. I don't want it. I mean, it's the lashes are like snuffleupagus. They're falling down my face. But it's, you know, it just gives me a little bit of a, I don't know, like a flare. Right. The drugstore lash that you want to get is an Ardell 113. It's the best. I like the Ardell short ones, I think. Which one? Do you know the number? I don't know the number, but I just have, I really prefer like a natural makeup look and I kind of have short lashes. So I just want more fullness instead of length. You do have like the most pretty natural face, like your brows, everything. It's so natural. I like it. Actually, only I brushed up my eyebrows today for you, but I like it. Anyways, this is so fun. You're so easy to talk to. Thank you for having me. Come back on our podcast anytime. I will. I feel like there's so many different directions. I know there's so many. There's like so many other things I want to ask you about. But where can people find you? At the Skinny Confidential and theskinnyconfidential.com. Amazing. Thank you. Thanks for having me. Thank you guys so much for listening. I hope you loved this episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review because I want to hear from you guys. You can let me know what you thought of this episode or anything more you want to hear about. Thanks. Peace in the streets.